Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Can extreme introverts, true hermits, have massive career success? Well, I sure hope so, because I am a true introverted hermit. Hello, everyone. Kevin Cruz here. Welcome to the LeadX Show, helping you once again to start out your day getting a little bit smarter. I want to help you to stand out and to get ahead at work and in life. And on that note, if you haven't visited leadx.org, we have podcast interviews with guests. We get tips. We have fun. But I give you free training, actual training over at leadx.org. Every day is a new course. Might be about communication, might be about running meetings, might be about email effectiveness, it might be about authentic leadership. You never know until you go to leadx.org. Today on the show, you're gonna hear me and my guests talk about succeeding as a true introvert, how we should make a digital contribution, how to put limits in place without hurting your career. And the challenge of the day from our guest is do 1% less. <laughs> find something to take off your to-do list. And our quote of the day is, done is better than perfect, from Sheryl Sandberg. Our guest is the founder of award-winning social impact agency, Women Online, and she hosts the podcast, Hiding in the Bathroom. She's also the creator of the influencer network, The Mission List. She was founding political director of blogher.com and has written for the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, The New York Times, and many other publications. Her new book is Hiding in the Bathroom, an introvert's roadmap to getting out there. Our guest is Maura Ahrens-Mealy. Maura, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Now, I've got a weird tradition on the LeadX show. I ask all of our guests the same first question because I love failure stories. I think failures are just, they're painful, but stepping stones to something, always something better. So will you tell me a story of one of your best failures and what did you learn from it? Whew. <laughs> I think my best failure was, was frankly my last failure at my last real job, meaning my last job at which I was employed by someone else. And I was not very good at advocating for myself or protecting my turf in a company I was working at. And I worked in the Washington office. We had a separate P&L from the New York office. The New York office did not like me. Mm. They did not want me there. They felt I was offering a competitive product. And even though we worked for the same company because different cities had different P&Ls, there was very little incentive for them to play nice. And they launched a campaign, sort of a whisper campaign to get me fired. And I was so insecure, I didn't stick up for myself. I actually thought they were right. And a few months later, I left anyway, the job. Mm. Now, at the same time, I landed, helped to land a giant contract with one of the world's largest companies and really started to build my little Washington team. It's now a, God, 150-person team in the same office. But what I learned from that experience is actually one of the biggest lessons that has sort of gotten me where I am today, which is A... I am not great <laughs> at fighting and office politics and conflict. 
I don't like it. Over and over again in my corporate career, I had situations like that. And I think it was because I was insecure. I was young. But temperamentally, I'm just not cut out to duke it out every day in the office boxing ring. Some people are, some people aren't. And I think that's okay. I have forged a career running my own small business, doing my own thing. I'm a, I'm a workplace rebel, and I'm glad I got out when I did. I, there's a lot of great stuff in that story. And on a, an organizational level, before we even get into the personal level, I just want to highlight for our listeners, I mean, this is often the root of corporate dysfunction is when you've got those silos that are incentivized against each other. Yeah. You know, so many high-level, C-level people I know say, oh my gosh, ever, the infighting, how come they don't get along? And I think, well, it's because they're run as separate P&Ls, and so <laughs> they right. have no incentive to help you've each other. You've literally set them You're up. You're literally setting them up to compete, and when people are competing for scarce resources, these things tend to happen. And then to your point, I think what's great is it, it you know, there's different ways that could be played. I guess some people out there could say, well, I'm going to become better at politics or whatever. But if that's just not who you are, that's not a world you want. It's great. I'm workplace rebel, you know, sort of gives you a chance to identify who you really are, who you want to be, and then create your own future, which is which is awesome. And, and that feeds right into, before we dive more deeply into your book, but general advice for, you know, a young professional who wants to stand out and get ahead in her career these days. I think you have to know not only what you want to be when you grow up and what you want to do in your career, but what you want to do every day. What is the environment in which you'll thrive? Are you sitting at a desk in a big open plan office collaborating with people? Are you working in small groups? Are you running all over a sales territory, either in your car or on a plane? Are you holed up in a lab on your own or writing on your own? Sit in your desk and imagine your week, your month, your years, your office environment. Does it make you happy or does it make you want to throw up or hide in the bathroom? So many people get caught, as I did, in a career that they feel should be right for them, but in the day-to-day practice is actually so wrong. And so that's honestly my best advice. Work is about much more than your giant career goals or who you are. It's actually what you do minute by minute. I, I love that perspective because it's really looking at career. You know, you talked a lot about environment. I mean, you could say, I know I want to be a lawyer. That's the, the profession or the, the thing. But, you know, is the environment you want to be a solo lawyer working out of your own office? Do you want to work in a giant Manhattan law firm or corp- right. corporate law or whatever? There's all kinds of different environments beyond just saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a lawyer. I'm going to be an ex. You know, that's really neat. And I, and I think it's really important, too, to, I call it knowing your emotional BATNA. You know, BATNA is a great term from negotiating. A lot of us are taught to be sharks and to always go for it. And, you know, my story from the beginning is I didn't really go for it. I ran away. And I know that that's not a fantastic leadership story. And there's a lot of gendered stuff in there. And there's a lot of age bias in there. But... I'm here to tell you that you have to know yourself and there are many different kinds of success. That's great. Now, Maura, I mentioned in the, uh, when I read on your, your bio, of course, but again, your new book is Hiding in the Bathroom, an Introvert's Roadmap to Getting Out There. Now, 
I am a massive introvert. So I like mm. all the attention recently on introversion and all of the rest. So tell us, you know, let's start. What's the big idea of your book? The big idea of my book is exactly that, that you should find and choose and create a work life that is right for you and just the right level of success that's right for you. I really wanted to write a book for ambitious introverts, but not just introverts, people who might have social anxiety, people who like me are hermits, frankly, who love working in their home office, (laughs) really being able to control their time. Okay, so you're ambitious, but you love to be able to control your time. You love to be able to work at home. You hate the idea of going to endless networking events. You like to eat lunch alone. You might ask yourself, how the hell can I be successful? So my book actually provides a roadmap to do that. There are so many of us out there. We're super ambitious. We're good at what we do, but we refuse to live a life of being on 24-7, schmoozing, networking, being constantly on social media, just partaking in this sort of achievement porn culture. So I wanted to really lay out the roadmap. And and this is an important message. And again, one that resonates with me. I mean, I, as of right now, like I am working from the basement office without a single window. I always joke about my cave. <laughs> my cave. I always call myself a hermit. So I like even that language. I tell my kids I'm a hermit. And even I struggle with this as a... Uh, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I can look back and calm myself down when I, I doubt myself. But I think everybody doubts themselves starting a company, starting into whatever. I think introverts will often say, though, how can I be successful in business or whatever when I don't want to go out and have, you know, after work drinks at all those networking events? Yep. Or it's so draining to be going out on these sales calls. I like huddling down, you know, myself. And so, it was a great reminder for me and it was a great message for everyone out there. Just because you're an introvert or or worse, like I'm an introvert, I'm shy, I really am socially awkward. People are like, how do you do what you do being socially awkward? I'm like, it takes a lot out of me <laughs> to do it. And so your book is saying, no, no, you, you don't have to give up on your ambition or dreams, even if you have some of these social traits. So give us some practical tips though, Maura, like what do we do? Well, look at you, Kevin. I mean, you go out and you speak in front of thousands of people, right? And I would assume that that's really draining and it's stressful. But you get up there, A, you practice, right? right? right. You know your stuff. You've done it a million times. The muscle memory takes over. And so that's really important. But I would also wager that before you get on stage or before you get on that plane to fly to that convention or whatever, you are sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to do this, but here's why I'm doing it. I got to put my kids through college. I really love my work. It's important. People resonate. You tap into the meaning of why you do it and you are able to be a professional, do your job and get out there, right? It is written nowhere that introverts are less ambitious or less successful than anyone else. A lot of people hate networking events, right? (laughs) The key is knowing why you're there, how to Do your job in the room because you are working. This is not middle school. Mm -hmm. You don't need to make people like you. And then no one you can leave, right? Right. Whether it's making X many contacts, whether it's meeting, you know, a person you've been trying to meet. And if you don't have a goal, if you feel it's a waste of your time, leave, right? No one networking event or convention or whatever is going to make your career. I think that many of us aren't strategic about how we use our time and how we use our biz dev And even how we use our social media presence and time, which is also really draining for introverts. So I would say to people, before you do anything, always know why. If you feel like you need to go to a conference because your boss wants you to, did you go last year? Was it worth your time? 
is there another way that you can get that sales lead to convert to a client that's more friendly to you, right? So be super strategic. And then the thing is, is I always say I'm like a dog. If I have a job to do, I'm very happy. So probably <laughs> like you, if I'm giving a talk, right, or if I'm right. at an event, I know exactly why I'm there. I've practiced, I've rehearsed. And then when my job is done, I go. And I know that sounds basic to people, but it is so empowering. Know why you're in the room, do your job, leave. This is great stuff. And and again, just to highlight it for people, and hopefully I'm not making it too personal, but so much of this is relevant. So for example, to go and do a talk somewhere, often, as you know, the organizer will try to get the speaker to like do a dinner event the night before. Oh, you're flying in, come have dinner with us and all that kind of stuff. We're both like <laughs> horrified at that, right? <laughs> this is horrible. No! And then, you know, uh, I've often been given the advice, of course, that when you're done with your talk, if you want to drum up future talks or consulting clients. Well, then you stay for the rest of the day and you network and you mingle and never know who you're going to meet. That's right. You and never I will know say who you're going to meet. Um, Vanya on my team, who is earnest and just wants the best for the company, is always saying, like, are you sure you don't want to stay, Kevin, and network with all those people for a few hours? Are you sure you don't want to go to that dinner? And <laughs> But what you say is true. It's not that I'm not going to the talk. I'm, so I think about it kind of like the 80-20 rule. Like, where's the most gain? The most gain is me standing on that stage for an hour Mm -hmm. doing the talk. Now, would there be a little chance for more success at the dinner or by staying five extra hours networking? Maybe, but because I'm an introvert, I'm not going to do it. I just wanted to point something out, which is, I think, really practical for our listeners. And also, you know, I, I understand not everyone is giving big talks, but imagine then if you left and you created a great little video highlighting your talk and put it on your Facebook page. You wrote a quick blog post. You did a Q&A on Quora. Think about the potentially thousands, whatever, millions of people you could reach in that amount of time that won't drain you, that will live forever, right? Because right. it'll be findable on the internet. I mean, I feel the same way about social media interaction that I do about networking. I could, you know, tweet and Instagram and engage in a fun way all day and it would provide minimum value. I could write a killer article or a Q&A or do a podcast or a video. Right. And it will be sort of an annuity that furthers my reputation and my brand. So again, it's all about, like you said, ROI and making use of your time and managing your energy because we only have so much energy. This is a great pep talk for me right now because again I'm I'm horrible <laughs> at social media and you know everybody not everybody but so many people are trying to put their personal brand out by by putting the selfies up all the time selfie videos all day long you know live stream everything and a few times I'll say like oh I'm traveling to this talk I might as well show my trip and give wisdom and all that and then I'm in the m- moment I'm like I just want to sit in this airport lounge and eat my peanuts and drink my coffee I don't want to put the camera on me and smile I don't know no offense I don't really want to watch you eating your peanuts Right. So this is good advice for me. It's like, Kevin, like, okay, you could sit there and write a LinkedIn post or another article. It's something that's going to feel more natural or even energizing rather than draining, which so much social media is. And also not only that will enhance your professional credibility. I mean, as much as I might like you and I want to watch you eat peanuts, (laughs) that's not your value to me as a, as a, as someone who wants to learn about what you have to teach. Now, a LinkedIn article that is the best use. You know, it's it's like Cal Newport and Deep Work, which is one of my mm. favorite, favorite books. How can your digital contribution be true to you and the brilliance and insight only you can offer? 
versus just trying to engage and be silly, which is great from some people. Right. No, and I'm taking the note. I love that. The digital contribution. There's lots of different ways to make this digital contribution to get our message out, to help people, but it doesn't always have to be, you know, live or video or anything. Let's think about what fits fits our personality as well. So this is good. Give me more advice from the book. I like the practical stuff. Well, one thing I hear over and over from people as I've, I've just come off a book tour and I've been in six cities, oh. and there are two things that people love to complain about to me if they work in an open office environment. One is, and this actually could go for people who are working in co-working environments too, but if you have listeners who are independent, you know, and freelancers and working in co-working environments, which I love, you know, because they're, they give you autonomy. But one is, why is it expected that I can wear, that I should wear noise canceling headphones just to get some privacy, aka why can't I have my own space because it's how I work best? Mm -hmm. Corollary to that, my boss wants me there, but I really can't figure out why my office is too chaotic, jarring, overwhelming, overstimulating. I hate fluorescent lights. I just want to be able to work on my own terms because I will do better work. A, why are we still talking about this question in 2017 when we have incredible connectivity? And B, what I think it tells a story of is a lot of people feel trapped by other people's schedules and time needs and needs for FaceTime. Mm. And if you're an introvert, if you have social anxiety, if you're a wonderful hermit like we are, you know, I'm allergic to fluorescent lights. A lot of people are. They can give you a migraine. They're very, very demanding in a sensory way. Mm. So I've been hearing people. I've been telling them, A, your boss doesn't want you to quit. You're good at your job. Let's find a way that you can negotiate and get what you need, right? Because I think that there is still in so many environments this sense that FaceTime means everything and it is just not true. And so mm. in the book, I talk about lots of ways that you can either take what I call a hermit pilot, right? If your boss is, is not wanting to let you go, how can you sort of either slip out unnoticed or take a morning at home and do a great job? But my message to people is understand how you need to use your time and also your place and your space at work. Mm -hmm. If you can't work in your office, I, I don't know about you, I hate noise-canceling headphones. They like suck your ears out and they sort of give me a headache. It's so unfair that people have to wear them. Yeah. Like, ask for what you need. Yeah, I, I, this is a really good point. I think that why does the boss, you know, want me and the officer need to see me so much? I often think it's because it's a manager who doesn't know how to manage. Like, they're managing the person rather than the results or the output. Mm -hmm. And if you could just get clear on what are the expectations, what is it expected of me to get done today or this week, and if I can explain, I will get all of that done and maybe more if I can move into a more productive environment. And then, <laughs> again, old school bosses might not believe that, but it, it's crazy to me because just because I can see you on the other side of the office, doesn't mean you're not playing around on Facebook on your phone or, you know, there's lots of ways to be unproductive at work. <laughs> a hundred, I mean, I, I give the example of a journalist I met who's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist whose editor insists she come into the busy newsroom every day to write when she's an extreme introvert and she can't concentrate. Right. It's, it's, it's incredibly, it's like an overstimulating assault to her senses to go into that newsroom and produce a piece. Mm. And yet her editor wants to see her. And again, Data show, as you point out, the best teams are the teams with the best communication and the expectations that people will support each other in their own work style. Right. So if you like to be in the office, rock on. If you want to take clients out for dinner, rock on. If I do better, 
you know, in my home office and then coming to the office for core meeting times. And my idea of nurturing a client relationship is listening to them or talking to them on the phone or supporting them in other ways. Like for my clients, I help them start blogging. I give them recipes. I'm there with them as a friend, but I'm not taking them out for steakhouses and strip clubs. Right, right, (laughs) right. There's more than one way to do sales. And I think that it's really important to talk about that. Yeah, no, I th- I think that's true. I I learned that the hard way. I had some bad mentors early on who when it came to salespeople, hiring salespeople and being successful, they only emphasized that rapport building type thing. And sure, it's, you know, you'd rather buy from someone you like than not. But I learned, I mean, one of the most successful salespeople I know, my friend Ian, he's more of the <laughs> As you said, you know, steakhouses and strip clubs kind of sales guy. You know, it's all about rapport and friendships. And he's done very well. Again, being a hermit, that that ain't me. It's not working for you. It's not working for me. But I have found just by being like the nerd guy, the smart guy who can say, here's the stuff you should be thinking about, or here's what's coming down the road three years from now. Well, they need that as much as they need the other stuff as well. Even more because you're solving a problem. I mean, I, I think that that's something really important. You know, I one of the best pieces of business advice I ever got when I started my business is you are trying to solve your customers' problems, right? Whether you're selling them a car or you're building them an online marketing campaign. And one of the things that I think introverts are really good at and people with anxiety are even better at is tuning in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is knowing you, Kevin, and not just what you need from a practical sense, but what's motivating you? What are the dynamics that you're dealing with in your office? How does your boss and the pressure your boss is putting on you affect what I need to deliver to you? Tuning in is an incredible sales tool, and it's a gift that we introverts have. Now, I have something not specifically related to your book, but I had a listener ask me this question recently, and I knew I was coming up with this interview. He said, hey, I'm a massive introvert. I'm very non-confrontational. How do I get better at giving people feedback? You know, having these like crucial conversations, these tough conversations. Mm. And, and again, I'm <laughs> that's me, and it's a little bit different. But I am I am an introvert. And I'm also very non-confrontational. Do you have any tips or advice for like how do we make it more comfortable, or how do we become better at having these candid conversations? I wish I had better advice because I too struggle. <laughs> so two things. One is my Bible. One of my Bible is the book Difficult Conversations, which I recommend to mm. everybody because it. Great. Is such a helpful tool to, again, tune in and figure out how to find a way to have a confrontational or hard conversation in a way that suits your personality. I think that's the important thing is to understand the role that emotions play in business. Mm. You know, emotions are present in every moment of business. And sometimes those emotions are anxiety and fear and wanting to hide in the bathroom. They're not always go get them, tiger, ambition, etc. And so if you can understand how you're feeling before you have a difficult conversation, you can probably also get to a place where you can understand what your counterpart is feeling and have a more productive and honest conversation instead of sort of assuming the like, I'm going to have this confrontation, but it doesn't really feel like me pose, which frankly makes you weaker and people see through. So find your authentic self, know your emotional batna, and definitely read difficult conversations. 
Great. I, I love that. I love to tell the listeners, like, don't try to completely transform your life, your career, whatever overnight. It's more about getting a little bit better every single day. Let's get 1% better every single day. So I'd like you to give us a challenge, you know, maybe something from your book. What's something, at least for the introverts out there, that we can do, you know, today that might help us a little bit, you know, in, in uh, to succeed at work or at home? I mean, honestly, my biggest advice to people is to do less. Do less. I think I think that, you know, you said do 1% more. I would say do 1% less. I love this. Um, I think that many of us, especially people in my audience, you know, I always call myself a, I'm a recovering overachiever. I, I'm still an overachiever. <laughs> I'm never happy. But the truth is, is that so many of us drive ourselves to a level of perfection, of FOMO, right? We see what everyone else is doing via social media and we feel like we're not doing enough or we push ourselves to do even more. If we're introverts, we're struggling against it because it makes us unhappy. So I would say, you know, especially now, you know, around this time, give yourself permission to do a little bit less. Look at your calendar and choose one thing a week you could say no to. Love it. Something to say no to. I, uh, more, I saw a kind of an interesting comment. It was on social media and there was some post, you know, one of these, like you said, you know, achievement porn posts, you know, today I got up at 4 a.m. and I ran 12 miles. I did this and blah, 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 blah. And almost all the comments were so inspiring and that's great. I'm going to hit the gym tomorrow. And one guy's post, I wish I knew who it was. I didn't follow up. And he said, why don't you just sit on the couch and have a glass of wine tonight? He says, realize none of us are getting out of here alive. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something about this crude to the point, like all this celebration of this craziness. He's like, hey, none of us are getting out of here alive. Have a glass of wine. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, I love social media. And look, as an entrepreneur, as a hermit entrepreneur, <laughs> right. I could not live my life if it weren't for the fact that I can stay connected to literally the world from my home office. And let's face it, as you well know, when you have your own business, when you're hustling, you've got to cultivate FOMO too. Right. You need to use social media strategically to show how amazing you are because you want people to hire you. So again, real talk. Right. But I think there's also the sense now, and I run a social media influencer marketing agency, so I'm very tuned into this, that we're sort of sick of the curated approach to life. Sure. We aren't always inspiring as people, you know? <laughs> and so I think that, that in 2018, we're going to see, hopefully, a little bit less curation and a little bit more reality. And let's support each other authentically. Okay, so I have to dive into this then, given what we do. So when you talk about less curated, does that mean more of the like Gary Vaynerchuk follow me around today and this is my day because that's very authentic and real, right? Or is it something is else? It I don't know. You tell me. I mean, I have a lot of problems with Gary Vaynerchuk and I, I talk about this in the book and I mean, no offense to him and he doesn't even know who I am. He's very great and important and wealthy and everything, but his method, his message of crushing it, his like intense macho, always on shtick is not for everyone. Certainly not for the hermits, right? Well, no. And we have to give people other role models. Mm. Like, I don't want to live Gary Vaynerchuk's life. I once tried to schedule a meeting with him and literally his assistant said he had 3 a.m. on a Wednesday. 3 a.m. Yeah. Okay. That's not okay with me. So great for Gary. Awesome for Gary. But let's see other role models. 
But explain more when you talk to me about social media, let's in 2018 and beyond, it's going to be less curated. What do you mean by that phrase? I mean by people really putting out images of perfection, of success, of your friend, that guy who ran five miles and shared it. Mm -hmm. Many of us are anxious. You know, probably a third of the population, according to data, is crippled by anxiety every day. Yeah. But we're still going to work. We're feeling all of our feelings. We're unhappy. We're stressed out, you know? And yet, if you looked at our presence on Instagram, you'd think that we were just baking perfect puff pastry and, and working out all the time. <laughs> and, you know, all the, all the toxins in our workplaces, of which I won't go into now, aren't going to change until we start being more real. Now I understand. Thank you for that. And you're, you're right. Like on social media, it's sort of like the highlight reel of the game. It's the highlight reel. It's the highlight reel. Yeah. It's the highlight. And even failure is like highlighted. It's like, oh, I failed, but then I learned this and now it's perfect. <laughs> right? Well, you know what? Guess what? A lot of people fail and it sucks and it doesn't get better. <laughs> so yeah. it hurts. Yeah, life yeah, life it is hurts. hard and I want to see leaders because people come up and talk to me all the time. CEOs, I'm so depressed. I'm on these medications. Well, I'm not saying you have to share your medical, your list of, you know, psychopharmacology with the world, but don't pretend like you're not that person. Right. Because it's not helping. Right. No, and it, it, right. And it's helpful to see successful people are continuing to struggle with all of these, all of these issues. That makes sense. Maura, your book, again, Hiding in the Bathroom, an introvert's roadmap to getting out there. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your new book? See, I'm going to cultivate FOMO now. Um, <laughs> now. You can, well, you can buy my book anywhere you like to buy books on Amazon or in your local bookstore. And you can find out about me at hidinginthebathroom.com. Perfect. Hidinginthebathroom.com. We will put the links in the show notes and articles. Maura, thanks for coming on to the LeadX show. Thank you, Kevin. One hermit to another. LeadX family, that wraps up another mentoring session packed with advice just for you. Before I go, I hope you'll remember that at LeadX, we're on a mission to give free leadership training and professional development to everyone, anywhere, at any time. Visit leadx.org to check out our free course of the day and our weekly live webinars. And if you're the kind of person who always says thank you, please take one minute to go leave a rating for the LeadX show on iTunes because we're at 246 reviews and we need to get to 300. We get about two ratings a week, which is less than one per show. My heart is breaking. But big thanks to the new reviews from last month from Masahi, Annette's Guy, Zintim69, Mike071966, Stacy H331, Kaplan and Carolina, Princess Rose Love, McGahee01, and Living With Intention. And of course, because leadership is influence and we are all leading all of the time, it's just a question of whether we're leading in a positive direction or a negative direction. How will you lead today? Mm -hmm.